5. Today I'm going to call this message, The Voices of Your Three-Part Nature. The Voices of Your Three-Part Nature. Now, over the last several services, both Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, I've been teaching on the significance of being led by the Spirit of God. Amen. And we've been teaching you how the voice of God speaks to us. And we started to look at the three intensities that God speaks to us. And we saw there's the audible voice of God. There's the authoritative voice of God. And then there's the still small voice, the inward witness. And we know this, that uh, though God can speak to people audibly, that is something that is very, very rare, very unlikely. The audible voice of God is something that you would hear literally in your physical ears. And of course, it did happen in the New Testament. It happened uh, in the days of Jesus and so on. But how many of you know that that is uh, very rare and very unlikely? And then we talked about the authoritative voice of God, where you'll hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in your heart in terms of words and phrases, right? God will literally speak to you and you will hear like a voice on the inside of you and it will be literal words, right? And then we talked about the most important way that God leads us, the still small voice or the inward witness that is far more than 90% of the time of how God speaks and leads his people. Amen? And so today we're going we're gonna to continue to build on this subject. Uh, we have seen uh, uh, that we have a spirit being. We are spirit beings. We are spirit beings that we are eternal beings just like God is an eternal being. We saw over there in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26 that we are made not only in the image of God but we're made also in his likeness. We're made in his likeness. And Jesus said in John 4, 24, he said, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. So God is an eternal being. And if we're going to be made in his likeness, we also are eternal beings, right? We know that we will live forever. It's just a matter of where, right? Obviously, we won't live on earth eternally. We will live in eternity eternally, right? And eternity is divided into a couple of places, right? There are, it's not just a matter of heaven and hell. It's a matter of those who are with God and in communion with God and those that are separated from God. Hell is a, just the result of complete separation from God, all right? And so we've been looking at that. We've been looking at the fact the Bible says that there is a spirit of man on the inside. We have a, a spirit. This flesh, this body is not the real us. Amen. The Bible says there is a spirit in man. Job 32, verse 8, Elihu said, he said, there is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. And we saw this, that that word inspiration, it means to breathe upon. It's like this. It's like your spirit, man, is like a hot coal, right? And God breathes on it and there's a reaction and your spirit is sensitive to the voice of God just like a hot coal is sensitive to the wind, right? There's a reaction. It might not be in the terms of a voice. You might not hear words, but there will be an inward intuition, an inward knowing, a leading, a witness, right? We saw over there in Proverbs 20 and verse 27, it says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly, telling us that where our spirit location is, our spirit is not in our mind, it's not in our body, so to speak, but our spirit man is right down here in the center of our being, right down here in our belly region, right? So many times the world even says, you know, I had a gut feeling that I should do this or do that. Right? And that's actually pretty accurate because it is down there in your belly. So many times when we see the word heart, the word heart in the New Testament, it is referring to the spirit of man. It just means the heart of something doesn't mean literally the, the, the pump or the physical organ. It's talking about the center. Just like if you said, yeah, I was going to drive into the heart of the city, you would drive into the center of town, right? Right? In the same way... Uh, uh, when, when God talks about your heart, he's talking about the center of you or right down here in your spirit being. Amen. We know this. We saw over there in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11. It says, what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of man that is in him? 
Meaning that there is a spirit, that you, have, you are a spirit being. And God will give you the things or your plans and directions for life right here out of your spirit man. Yes. You will not know the divine plan for your life out of your mind. You will not know the divine plan for your life out of your flesh. But yet the world is investing millions, billions, trillions of dollars to feed the voice of the flesh, to feed the voice of the mind, when those voices aren't where God is speaking. He's speaking in the inward witness. We're living in the days and the times where Christians are expecting God to lead them with an outward sign. They're fleecing God. God, I will trust that it's your plan if this happens. Lord, if I show up and uh, uh, they have my favorite flowers on the table, then I'll know that it's your plan for me to marry this person. You know, or Lord, I know that it's your plan for me to take this job uh, if I have windows in the office that they offer me. People, what they'll do, they'll say, I'll do this, God. I'll know it's your will if this happens. They will try to gauge the will of God with an outward sign or outward circumstances. God does not, will not ever lead the born-again believer in that way. Stop fleecing God. People say, well, Pastor Tim, I read over there in the book of Judges, chapter 8, where, or chapter 7, where Gideon did that. Gideon was an Old Testament war general. Gideon was not born again like you and I were born again. Gideon was not a prophet, he was not a priest, and he was not a king. He was not anointed with the Holy Ghost like you and I are anointed. Because we're going to see today that Romans 8.16, or 8.14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Right? Verse 16 goes on to say, And the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. You cannot ask God for an outward sign. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that Satan is the prince of the power of the air. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that Satan is the god of this world. That he's leading this world system. This natural realm is where Satan operates. So don't think by looking at natural circumstances that you are going to get an idea of the voice of God. You won't. You're going to have to look inwardly. That is the definition of carnality. To ask God to speak to you outwardly when he says he speaks inwardly. Stop looking outwardly for an inward speaking God. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Today we're going to talk about the voices of your three-part nature. Do you understand that you're a three-part nature? Many, many of you that have been around here long enough, uh, I, I've taught on things like this before. Time to teach them again. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And let's go over there to verse 23. And the first thing I want you to see here this morning is that you have a three-part nature to you. And you're going to see that every part of you has a voice. It speaks to you and tries to lead you. We know this, that the flesh cannot lead you according to a plan. The flesh has the tools of the five senses, right? It can only tell you what looks better, what feels better, what sounds better, what tastes better, and what sounds better. I missed one in there. I get smells better. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly, that's exactly what the flesh can only do. It can only make decisions based on by default. Well, it looks better, so you have to go that way. You know? Or that sounds better, you have to go that way. I used the example last week of if you were offered two jobs. One pays you more money, one pays you less. The flesh, by default, has to say, take the one with more money. Where the Spirit of God could say, no, take the one with less money, because you're going to go there, and while you're there, you're going to meet uh, uh, your, your, your spouse. You're going to, while you're there, you're going to have opportunities to be promoted. You're going to have more influence to win people to Christ at that other job. How many of you know the flesh only can make a decision based on self-gratification? Yeah. Yeah. The flesh says, please me, and please me now. Where the Spirit can say, no, 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 hold off, go this way. It might look like decrease for a little bit, but in the end, it's going to promote you more. Amen. So we have to understand that the flesh can only make one-dimensional decisions. It cannot, the flesh has no knowledge of the divine plan of God, right? The flesh does not know what God's doing, but on the inside of you, you know, 
God will lead you where it will be best for you. Amen. And to, to be led by anything other than by the Spirit of man, by the Spirit of God in the Spirit of man, is dangerous. It's dangerous to be led with the flesh. So many people right now, they are so far out of the plan of God for their life because they've only made decisions based on their mind. They have never heard the voice of, of God speaking in their spirit. And let's talk about this. Second, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Paul's speaking to the church. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to me and you. He says, in the very God of peace. Aren't you glad he's the God of peace? Amen. It says, in the very God of peace, sanctify you or separate you wholly or completely. And I pray God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So notice there's three parts to our nature that are going to be presented before Jesus when he comes back. All right? Spirit, soul, and body. There's a lot of people, they thought the spirit and the soul were the same thing. No, they are not. Clearly, the word makes a difference between the two. Uh, We know in in, uh, uh, Hebrews 4.12, it says the word of God is quick and powerful, uh, uh, going down there to the division of soul and spirit. We know that soul and spirit are not the same thing. Let me explain to you the differences, okay? First of all, this is how you would say it. You are a spirit being, you have a soul, and you live in a body. That's the proper way to describe the three-part nature of man, all right? You are a spirit being, you have a soul, you live in a body. First of all, let's talk about the spirit of man. We've talked about that already. The spirit of man is, the, is, is that part of you that becomes a new creation when you accept Jesus Christ. Yes. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man uh, uh, is in Christ, he's a new creation. All things have passed away, old things have passed away, all things have become new, right? right. Now, obviously, that was on the inside. Because yeah. how many of you still look the same when you ask Jesus into your heart? Notice your, your hair color didn't change. The gray hair didn't go away, if you had any, right? Uh, your, your, your eye color didn't change. You know, not your, your outward flesh didn't become new. Your new creation part is your spirit. Your spirit is recreated. You're made new on the inside. The spirit of man is where God talks to. It's what God communicates with. It's like a, a, a radio receiver on the inside of you that can hear the voice of God. Amen. We just got to make sure it's tuned to the right frequency. Amen. Amen. So you can say it this way. Your spirit is what contacts the spiritual realm. It communicates with the realm of the spirit where God lives, right? We know this. Not only are you a spirit being, but you have a soul. The soul is your mind, your intellect, your will, and emotions. Your mind, your intellect, your will, and emotions, okay? Your, your soul is the seat of your emotions. When you feel an emotion and when you feel the results of fear, when you feel uh, 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 excited, uh, that is your soul, okay? When you feel discouragement try to come against you, that is your soul, right? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Uh, uh, we know that the mind is what contacts the emotional realm, Okay? So the spirit contacts the spiritual realm. The soul contacts the emotional realm, the realm of feelings. All right. God does not speak to your emotions. However, your emotions may be affected by or can pick up sensations from the voice of God. But it's not where God speaks. Okay. There's nothing wrong with having emotion when you when you hear from God. I mean, there's time that God speaks to me and it makes me a crying, crying little baby. But God, God doesn't speak to me in the crying. My crying was just feeling the effects of God speaking, right? Amen. People say, oh my goodness, what kind of pastor we have here? Hey, I don't mind telling you, when the Spirit of God comes on me and I cry before God, I cry before God. Amen. Hallelujah. I'm, I'll never apologize for being tenderhearted. Amen. Praise the Lord. And then the third part of you is the body or the flesh. All right? The body is the outward side. The body is what contacts the physical realm. The body includes the five senses. It's just what tells you the flesh only can decide something based on what it feels. My flesh tells me that this pulpit is hard because it feels that it's hard, right? It communicates with the physical realm. 
So the spirit communicates with the spiritual realm. Your mind communicates within the realm of emotions. Your body will contact the physical realm. Now, this is what we're going to get to today, is that spirit, soul, and body, they all have a different voice. They are all making an impact on your decisions, okay? They're always speaking to you, always telling you something, always trying to lead you. But the Bible said, as many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. So there's only one place that we're going to hear the voice of God, and that's in our spirit by the Holy Spirit, right? So we have to know what to do with the flesh and the mind. Amen. So let's get into this. Let's talk about the the voices of the three-part nature. Let's start first. Let's go in reverse order, as as, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.23 arranges it. Let's start with your flesh. Let's start in the most easily recognizable part of you. Your flesh is the part that you prepared as you came to church today, right? That's what you washed and you scrubbed and you shampooed and you did your hair and you stand in front of the mirror. And what you were doing is you were looking uh, uh, at your flesh. You were preparing the flesh, right? It's not hard to understand what the the, the flesh is. But we're going to talk about the voice of the flesh. The voice of the flesh. The voice of the flesh is recognizable as appetite. All right, now I'm going to go back over these. Appetite. Isn't that a voice of the flesh? Your flesh will tell you it's time to eat. And it doesn't show up in forms of words. Your flesh doesn't literally have a, 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 a bell or a siren or, or a, a, a megaphone on the end there that said, time to eat. You just feel when your body has time to eat. And that's what? A voice of your flesh, just telling you what it needs. Nothing wrong with your flesh telling you what it needs, right? Hunger is a part of the voice of the flesh, right? Thirst is part of the voice of the flesh, right? Tells you when you're thirsty. I'm thirsty right now. (laughs) I didn't hear those words on the inside of me. I just know because my flesh is communicating that with me, right? And I'm not going to take a drink in front of you all. (laughs) Public speaking 101, right? (laughs) Amen. So thirst is another uh, a part of the voice of the flesh. Now those hunger and thirst and appetite, those are all things pertaining to the needs of the flesh. So it's permissible to hear that voice of the flesh and be led by that in some way. Yeah. You know, I mean, uh, it's not wrong to say I'm hungry, I'm going to eat lunch. Right. It's not wrong. Okay. Now let's move into the other parts of the voices of the flesh because now we move a little bit forward. It's nothing wrong with the flesh having its needs met but now let's go into some of those voices of the flesh that can get downright dangerous. Number one, cravings. No, not all cravings are wrong. Craving means that your, vo- your body will start talking to you. It will start craving a certain thing, though you don't need it. You know? And it's not, there's nothing wrong with on a Sunday night and, and you're relaxing and stuff and all of a sudden you start... Uh, uh, craving a Snickers bar or something like that. Now, if you're always craving Snickers bars and you're always living on Snickers bars, well, that could be a problem. But you know what I mean? The body will have certain cravings. And there's ones that are obviously less harmful than others, right? Amen. I like Snickers bars. Please don't buy me any. (laughs) I say stuff like that. People start buying me Snickers bars. I I, I don't need any Snickers bars. No, no, no. No Snickers bars. (laughs) we could go into a real funny story with that but i'm not going to and so you'll 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 sense your your flesh will have cravings but obviously something like that's minor like that isn't necessarily harmful but now the flesh can start craving things that will hurt itself where do you think addictions come from addictions are unchecked cravings their body got so used to that craving being fulfilled now that that voice of the flesh has been trained to have that substance and so it screams loud for it okay the voice of the flesh will speak in terms of cravings now obviously things like alcohol things like tobacco uh things like uh uh, you know addictions to food uh wrong kind of food unhealthy food those are unhealthy cravings and the flesh is so destructive it will push you to destroy itself 
Do you understand that? The flesh will push you to destroy itself. The flesh has a self-defeating nature because Satan has a self-defeating nature. Because though your flesh is not the devil, your flesh is what the devil will try to tempt and try to get you disqualified in the eyes of God. Right? Your spirit man can have a huge assignment. Your spirit man can be called, equipped, chosen, anointed, and you could be called to do great and mighty things. But if you don't put your flesh in check, it could disqualify the whole thing. Your flesh can disqualify your spirit. There's people in hell right now that ended up there because they listened to their flesh. And they didn't listen to their spirit. Their flesh carried them into sin. The flesh carried them into a self-defeating lifestyle, right? That's exactly what the devil did. The devil said, I will be like the Most High. I will sit in the, congreg- the sides of the mountain, the congregation of the north. I will arise my throne above the stars of God, above the clouds of God. I will dethrone the Almighty God. That's what Satan said over there in Isaiah chapter 14. And now God pronounced judgment upon Satan and said, that's a self-defeating, selfish, selfish uh, attitude, and Satan was demoted in a hurry, right? So Satan will tempt the flesh because the flesh, God speaks to the spirit just like the devil speaks to the flesh. Your flesh is like a radar for the devil's plan and for the devil's will. And so you have to be careful. You can't let those cravings take you into a destructive thing. Think about what it is. The flesh will say you could and should have something even if it's going to hurt you or somebody else. The flesh does not care who gets hurt. The flesh doesn't care if even you get hurt. The flesh doesn't care if anyone else gets hurt. It just wants self-gratification. It wants it now, right? The flesh is a lot like an infant child, okay? They, it cries like it's never been fed before. I thought that'd be funnier. <laughs> you know, you ever, if you have kids, I mean, you know what that's like. I mean, when a baby wants to eat, they got to eat. And, and there's no saying, oh, just a minute, honey. That baby's crying like no one has ever fed it. It's crying like no one's ever going to feed it again. And that's what the flesh is. I want it, and I want it now. Right? Yeah, and when I say that, of course, I'm not speaking condescending of children. But you understand, an infant is all flesh. That's all they know is, is flesh, and that's, what, that's why they cry like they do. Anyone that's been up uh, all night with an infant before, you understand what I'm talking about. <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So we know that the flesh just cries out for self-gratification, even if it's going to hurt somebody. Right? Isn't that what adultery is? Isn't that what adultery does? Adultery says, I want that person's spouse regardless of how it hurts them. Isn't that what adultery is? Yeah. Adultery isn't just, you know, uh, getting a hold of someone else's spouse. Adultery can be any, uh, uh, any uh, sexual contact outside of the realm of marriage. And the Bible still calls that adultery. Well, why would the Bible still call that adultery? Because listen, when somebody, when people aren't married and they're having premarital sex, what they're doing is that they're, they're satisfying their flesh without making a commitment to serve them in other places in, in life. That's exactly what premarital sex is. It's saying, hey, you come here, you satisfy me, and I am not going to make a lifetime commitment to you. There's, they've made no vows before God. They have not allowed God to bless that, that union and so on. Absolutely. That's right. Oh, yeah, some of these young couples, you know, they're, they're, they're chasing marriage, and they think that uh, when they get married, they're just going to sit around all day, feed each other grapes, and have marital relations all day. That's what they think marriage is. No, because after marital relations, somebody's got to get up and do the dishes. Somebody's got to vacuum the floor. Someone's got to pay the bills. Someone's got to do the laundry. Someone's got to cook the meals. Someone's got to go to work. See, when it, when that's what it is. It's like uh, sex is only uh, protected under marriage. Under marriage, I don't know. I'm talking about this. Right? It's only protected under marriage because it guards against selfishness. God says, yes, go ahead. You married couples can please your flesh, 
But guess what? You have a lifetime of serving each other ahead of you. So have your fun now, and you're going to work for the rest of your life. That's absolutely right. Some people, you know, and, 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 and they get off balance in any of those things. You're supposed to, man, my goodness, got to watch how I say this. I'm just obeying God. It's like you better, you know, there's so many people, men and women, mostly men, they, will inv- they, they, they don't invest into the family, they don't spend time with their kids, they don't help and serve their wife, and then they expect her to be a, a, a superstar in the bedroom. Come on now. Right? Isn't that what people, people do? Wives will, will do that too. You know, we're supposed to, husbands and wives are supposed to put into the family. Right? Both of you are supposed to put in, put into the family, and then put out in the bedroom. I don't know how else to say it. That's good. Wow, am I getting the, the, apl- the applause-o-meter? The applause meter but, but, so many, but, so many, but so many Christian couples, I'm not saying that to be funny, but it's true. You know, husbands and, and sometimes wives, you know, they, they want the self-gratification side of it without the lifelong covenant of serving. And so that's what premarital sex is. It's saying, I want my flesh gratified without making a vow of commitment. It's stealing. It's thievery, right? It's t- thievery. It's taking something that doesn't belong to you. My goodness. Do not quote me on Facebook. No, but I'm serious because there's marriages that are suffering today because, uh, uh, they'll, you know, either, either one, they'll be out of balance where uh, they'll be, you know, real, real helpful and, and, and everything in the family and then they have no marital relations and then there's some marriages that they're all marital relations but they'll never help in the family, right? So we need to have a balance. That's why I say that comment. So don't just quote me out of context. I weren't to church today. And the pastor said, you're supposed to understand, you know, the Bible talks about in 1 Corinthians 7 that Satan gets a hold and ruins marriages because they have a lack of, uh, of sexual activity in their marriage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sexual activity is healthy in a marriage Good. because it's joined with a commitment to serve in the routine yes. of life. Yes. Amen. Am I bailing myself out yet? Yes. See, I better qualify these statements or people think I'm... Um, you know, just piping off up here or something. My goodness. All right. And let us continue. <laughs> the voice of the flesh is recognizable. Appetite, hunger, thirst, craving. Now, those cravings, and what I, I guess got me to talk about that, I talked about when people start craving someone else's spouse. That's a craving that will destroy your life. Yeah. The Bible says, uh, he that touches another man's wife uh, destroys his own soul. Proverbs chapter 6. It says, uh, in verse 25, it says, Lust not after her beauty in your heart, neither let her allure you by her eyelids. For by means of a whorish woman, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. A man is reduced by adultery. And, not, and Jesus said, not even uh, physical touching. He said, if you allow adultery to, to, to have its way in your heart, meaning you look upon a woman, or, you know, women could look upon men too. We act like men are the only ones guilty of this, right? But if you look upon a woman uh, uh, and, and you start lusting after her in your heart, Jesus said you've committed adultery already. Yeah, yeah, that's right. yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, I just believe that's helping somebody. Yeah. I don't know why I'm preaching it, yeah. but it's in my heart. And so this, it's for somebody because there's people that are making decisions based on their cravings. The voice of the flesh also shows up in, in the form of lust. Lust. Right? Lust is a voice of the flesh. Anger is a voice of the flesh. Right? And they'll act on that voice. That anger will speak to your flesh and say, yell something, throw something, say something hurtful. What is that? That's your flesh trying to push you into disobedience, trying to move you outside of the love of God. Because the Bible says that God's love on the inside of us is patient, kind, forgiving, right? 
And so when you move outside of love, you move into sin. And when you move outside of love, you're moving outside of the protection of God. God cannot protect you if you don't walk in love. God don't protect you if, if, if you're a, a hothead, if you're losing your temper, you're shouting, you're walking around, you're slamming cupboard doors, you're trying to make... You know, and I tell you what, even if you hold back your words, you say, well, I, I, I do good at that, Pastor Tim. Yeah, I, I hold back my words, but then I, I walk around the house, I'm slamming doors. No, you're talking without talking. You're showing them what's on the inside of your heart, even if it isn't with your words. You're sitting around having yourself a little pouting fest, slamming doors and and, and letting them know what you think of them, even without saying it. Yeah, come on. That's not the love of God. It's the same thing. It's still a temper. It's still the flesh. Amen. Hallelujah. God speaks to a person in his spirit. The devil will speak to a person in their flesh. All right. Let me show you now. What does the Bible say? What do we do with the flesh? Go with me to Romans chapter 12. Don't let your flesh disqualify you. The reason why you don't see the victory that we preach is because you're letting your flesh have a heyday on you. Every little craving of the flesh. Oh, got to listen to it. Oh, my flesh wants to think about that. Oh, my flesh wants to, to go do that. Oh, my flesh wants to drink that. Yeah, my flesh wants to drink that. You know, I was uh, uh, pretty headlong in alcoholism as a young man and, and things. And here I haven't had a drink since January 18th, 2003. So I'm coming up on, yeah, glory to God. And it'll be, it'll be uh, 10 years in January uh, since I ever touched any alcoholic drink. Any, 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 any. Yeah. Man, we got the applause group in here today. Now, I'm not saying that for me, but I'm saying that, don't you think my flesh has talked to me about beer? I was a beer drinker. I drank beer, and I drank a lot of beer. And I'm not saying I'm proud of that. I'm not proud of that at all. It was awful. But, I mean, I was so addicted to, to beer and so on. I mean, uh, I didn't go a day uh, without at least six, mostly 12. And on Fridays and Saturdays, each day, at least 24. I mean, it was just, just hammered a lot of beer. And there were times when, uh, even since then, years after that, you know, I'll see a commercial on TV or something, and I'll see that, that pouring of the beer. And my flesh will even say, remember what that tastes like? Remember what that was like? Remember how, oh, that's, that was your favorite kind. My flesh will, your, your flesh will just talk to you like that, you know? And your mind, of course, might jump in and, and, and join the party, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, and, and your flesh starts talking to you like that, and you better deal with that. Right. Say, absolutely not. I'm not going back. I've been free from that bondage. Why would I go back and put, it, put myself in chains? That's right. That's right. They show those commercials, and they make it look like the, the high life, the good life. It's not. It's the low life. It's the bad life. There's nothing good that came out of one can. And I tell you what, every time you crack a beer as a Christian, you are being a bad witness to somebody somewhere. I guarantee you there is somebody stumbling somewhere because you decided to have one. People people say, well, there's nothing wrong with having just one. It won't affect me. No, it might not affect you. But the Bible says if your brother's conscience is weak and he sees you drinking something, it's going to give him liberty to drink more than the one that you thought you were having. The Bible says it is not for kings to drink strong drink. It's not for kings. Proverbs 31 says it's not for kings. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 3 that ministers are to drink zero wine. And if the ministers are supposed to drink zero wine, what do you think that tells us about God's plan? That must be the highest and best. The highest and best. Now, if you're here... And, and I'll tell you what, I put myself, if you're here and you're, you're still enjoying it, enjoying. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean from a figure of speech. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you're still enjoying drinks and, and so on, uh, know this, I've been in that sh- those shoes where I heard someone preaching, just like I'm preaching right now, and it was convicting the daylights out of me. Actually, Reverend Randy, you were one that, that, that greatly helped me with that. And... Uh, 
you know, I tell the story when, when Reverend Randy and I first met, uh, he and I were going to one of his, uh, he has a hunting cabin uh, down in Pennsylvania, and we were heading there, and uh, he knew he was just ministering to me, trying to get me living for God, but I was still, you know, headlong in alcoholism, and, and uh, we were going there on a Friday night, and, and, um, and I, I just was saying, I was speaking what I knew. I said, hey, aren't we going to stop and pick up some beers? And Reverend Randy just uh, real diplomatically, <laughs> he, said, he said, this is Pennsylvania. They only sell beers in 24 packs, and I ain't that thirsty. <laughs> and I'm sitting in the back seat thinking, well, I am. <laughs> you know, and he was somebody in my life that just spoke that boldness. And here I was going through that conviction that maybe some of you are going through right now. It's not a bad thing. It changed my life. I don't need somebody pat a me telling me I'm doing everything right. I need someone, a brother in Christ, who's going to step up and love me and show me things in my life that I'm missing it. Because I want God's highest and best. Hallelujah. No one's saying that today. I'm not saying that because I'm trying to hurt you. I'm saying that because I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to let you know that I've been there. I've been there. I know what it's like for the flesh to scream out and just want that so bad. I remember just about crying. I mean, I was a sailor. Oh, that, enough said. <laughs> I owned my own sailboat. And I mean, I had, I had, you know, bottles of booze in that sailboat. And I had my Captain Morgan and my Jim Beam and my Mr. Boston and all that on my top of my uh, cabinets in, my, in, in uh, my kitchen. And I remember the day when God spoke to me and said, it's time for that to go. Dump it out. Dump it down the drain. And my mind starts thinking, well, there's somebody that would probably want to buy it from me. <laughs> and how about just the big bottles? No, it all had to go. It all had to go. So down it went, and I'm sitting there. I mean, my flesh is like, no. But you know what? I could not have, I could not have gone on spiritually. God, I would not have qualified to be a pastor. Right. God knew that the qualifications in the scripture for a pastor is no, no beer or wine. None. And if I'm set in the midst to be your example, then I have to obey that. Hallelujah. So that's the voice of the flesh. Go to Romans 12. Well, we might only get through the flesh here today. <laughs> uh, you're just going to have to come back next week, right? Because you need to learn a whole of this. We need to understand, don't let the flesh disqualify you. Romans 12, and let's start in verse 1. Here's what the Bible says you must do with your flesh. This is what the Bible says to do with your body, the outward part of you. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Literally, the Amplified says, which is your reasonable act of worship. You come in here, and you shout the praise, and you lift the hands, and you're a worshiper, so to speak, which you should be, but yet you go home, and you defile your body, you defile your flesh, right? You're watching godless entertainment, you're, 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 you're drinking alcohol, you're doing all this stuff. The most important form of worship is to present your body before God a living sacrifice. Yes. Amen. It doesn't matter how many Christian songs you sing. It doesn't matter how many lyrics you know. The Bible's talking about your reasonable act of worship is to present your body. Without presenting your body, you will be what the Bible calls a hypocrite. You'll be saying, I believe this, but I do something else. That's what the Bible says. You are double-minded and unstable in all your ways. You, You say one thing and do another. Now, we all probably have a little bit of that in our life that we're constantly working out. I mean, I'm purposing to be a, a doer of what I preach, you know, and we all need to be that. Aren't you glad for conviction here today? <laughs> Hallelujah. Know this, God is not going to present your body for you. People say, I, I've heard it. I remember praying this way as an alcoholic. God, take this away from me. Take this away. Take it away, God. He won't He won't. God, take this thing away from me. 
take my, my lying habits away, take my cheating habits away, take my uh, uh, addiction to ungodly entertainment, take it, take it, take it, take it, Lord, just take it away. Take my gambling habit away, take this habit away, take it. He's not. God never said he would ever present your body for you. He said you present your body as a living sacrifice. That's right. God did not take away my alcohol addiction. It was up to me to get into the word and through the power of the word of God, lay it down. I had to what? Sacrifice it. Right? Remember the Old Testament sacrifice? They throw it on the altar and light it on fire. That's what I had to do with my alcohol. Throw it down the drain and not go back to it. It was a sacrifice. That's right. Meaning it wasn't easy on my flesh. It was pleasing to God. That's what it says your flesh must do. You must present your, your bodies or your flesh a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. Notice there's things in the flesh that are unacceptable to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You better make sure your flesh is acceptable to him because you can disqualify your life with God through your flesh. Acceptable unto God. Holy, that is what we do. Lord, here's my body. Lord, if it's not pleasing to you, then I don't do it. If it's not pleasing to you, I don't drink it. If it's not pleasing to you, I I, I won't put it in my body. I won't touch it. I won't look at it. Whatever it is, because it's pleasing to God. He's my father. I want to be a father pleaser. Amen. Amen. I mean, this is just real simple. This is what you do with your flesh. Amen. Go to Galatians chapter 5. This is real simple. Nothing clever about this message. But it's revelation. You know why? Because there's many and all of us that need to present our bodies in a greater way. Believe me. When I gave up alcohol, smoking cigs, smoking cigars, when I gave up all that stuff, I thought I hung the moon. I thought, there it is. I have arrived. And then all of a sudden, God starts dealing with me about my attitudes. Starts dealing with me about my personality. Starts dealing with me about this. I mean, God is so good. He's not, the, he's not there to bash you over the head. It's not to, to bring you lower. It's to bring you higher. I'll tell you what, when you give up something because you love God, it'll take you higher. I guarantee it. Here's what the Bible says you should do with your flesh. Galatians 5.24. It says, they that are Christ's. Is there anyone in here that belong to Christ? And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Affections and lusts, that's the voice of the flesh. Your body is going to lust for things that are not acceptable to God. Okay? And the Bible says this is what you do to the flesh. You crucify it. That sounds fun. (laughs) That sounds comfortable. That sounds convenient. Crucify the flesh. What happened to Jesus when he got crucified? Do you think his flesh suffered? Now, is the Bible saying that you go and have to hang on a cross? Of course not. It's talking about, the, literally the word crucify, it means to extinguish the passion. Extinguish the passion. Because your flesh will speak to you in lusts, in passions. All right? And the Bible says crucify it. Make it hurt. Yeah. Make your flesh suffer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let your flesh suffer its way out of that addiction. Right. Yes, that's your, your body will be craving that thing. Oh, my goodness, I remember so many times, you know, when I first stopped drinking, I mean, all of a sudden, you see somebody in a restaurant, and they got themselves that big frosty mug beer sitting in front of them. I mean, my flesh would just be crawling, oh, yeah. you know? I had to extinguish that passion, yeah. right. you know? <laughs> they that are Christ have crucified, have extinguished the passions of the flesh with its affections and lusts. Think of all the times when you just have, I mean, that's what people think. They think, my flesh is going to suffer. That's a bad thing. That's a good thing. Amen. That's your reasonable act of worship. Yes. Yeah. 
Hallelujah. That's your reasonable act of worship. Amen. Praise the Lord. So that's what you do with your flesh. You present your body holy and acceptable before God. You crucify your flesh. Let it suffer. Let those passions go unmet. Let those lusts just uh, uh, die. Amen. You're going to have to just put up that fight. And I'll tell you what, people didn't real, don't realize how sometimes how much it hurts. Do you, can you realize how much a, a crucifixion hurts? How much just physical pain Jesus went through? He says, let your flesh suffer. If Jesus would have said, ouch, ouch, that hurts too much. Stop! Angels! He could have. Yeah, right. If he would have not allowed his flesh to be crucified, all of us would have been lost. For eternity. The Bible says that he had legions of angels. He could have said, angels, you come right now. Wipe out these ones that are trying to pound these stakes into my hands and my feet. You take them and you wipe them out and I'm going back to heaven. I'm done with this. Could have done it. He allowed his flesh to suffer for the sake of the spiritual reward. Well, that's one voice of our three-part nature. (laughs) We also have the soul, the mind, the will and emotions, and the spirit. Of course, we've been talking about the voice of the spirit. Real quickly, you're in, in Roman. go back to Romans chapter 12. And the second thing, we will just stop here, is the soul. Your flesh is your body, your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. Again, your soul is not where God speaks. Go to Romans chapter 12, and we'll just talk real quickly about the soul. The the voice of the soul is recognized as thoughts. The mind speaks and communicates to us through thoughts. There are three places that thoughts can come from. They can come from you, they can come from God, and they can come from the devil. Three places where thoughts originate. You, God, and the devil, all right? And we'll need to understand what we do with our mind, with our soul, and what God says to to do to discipline it. People are letting their thought life run amok. They're letting thoughts just bounce around their head. They're letting just thoughts have a heyday, and that's why people are messed up. Your life will never be a beautiful thing until you renew your mind with the Word of God. Your life will never be a a masterpiece of God's handiwork until you've learned to control your thought life. Brother Hagin, he said this, ministered for over 70 years. He said the greatest need in the body of Christ today is the renewing of minds. People don't live right because they don't think right. right. Because they allowed a thought come in and have a heyday and get root. Thoughts are like seeds seeking harvest in your life. Every time a thought comes into your mind, you have to decide, do I want a harvest of that? When a thought comes to your mind to, to be malicious to your spouse, you've got to think to yourself, do I want to reap the rewards of that maliciousness? Do I want to sow those insults? Yeah. Do I want to take that thought and, and have that? Uh, uh, do I want to take that temptation of adultery? Do I want to take that thought of substance abuse? Do I want to take that thought of malicious insults? Do I want to take that and really reap the reward or the harvest of that thought? I say it like this so many times. Uh, I use this illustration, probably used it recently, but I'm going to say it again. You ever seen those old uh, medieval movies, you know, and they have the archers? that stand on the castle and they have those flaming arrows and they point way up in the air and they all shoot them and those flaming arrows go raining down on armies or villages that they're attacking or whatever. Well, that's what like a thought is from the devil. It's literally like a flaming arrow that he pulls back his bow and he lets that fly through your mind. And now you see in those old movies, if it hits and sticks to a tree or a house or a thatched roof or something like that, that flame sticks there and starts to burn everything around it. That's exactly what thoughts are like. The devil will shoot a thought, and if you allow it to stick, it starts to burn in your mind, it starts to destroy your life from the inside out. That's absolutely what's what's going on. And the Bible says you have to be very careful about the thoughts that are in your life. 
The Bible says over there in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, So as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. He is the product of the thoughts of his mind. Yeah. Amen. And I tell you what, it's easy to, 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 to fool the people of God for a little while. You can't ever fool God. You can fool the people of God for a little while. You can look like the real thing, but then you go and outside your life, you're just feasting on all the wrong thoughts, all the wrong lifestyles and things like that. Do you know why alcoholism started to get root in my life? Because I gave thought to it. I started having thoughts. Well, try that. Drink that. It would please these friends, and it would please this group of people, and it would make you this, and it would make you that. I started dealing with it. What happened is that arrow landed in my mind, started to burn. Next thing you know, I start drinking. One became two. Two became six. Six became 12. 12 became 24. That's how it worked. That's absolutely right. Now, what does the Bible say with minds, uh, to do with your mind, with your soul? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll end right here. I had to go to Romans, didn't I? Hold your place in Romans. Actually, we'll read, we'll, we'll read the verse in Romans first, and then go to 2 Corinthians 10. Romans 12, we just were over there, and 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's know what the Bible says, what to do with our flesh and with our minds. Because you're a product of the thoughts that you have. Your life will never be beautiful until you learn how to Think in line with God's word. Amen. People are messed up because they think messed up. If they would learn how to deal with the thought life. Verse 2, Romans 12, 2. It says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed. There's your two choices. That's the kind of churches that exist today on this earth. They're either conformity churches or they're transformity churches. They're either churches that are conformed, they're letting the church be conformed to the culture of America, or they are letting America be conformed around the Word of God. Transformed around the Word of God. And I don't know about you, I don't want to be conformed, I want to be transformed. And it tells us how you walk in the transformation process. That word transformation in the Greek, it is the Greek word where we get our word for metamorphosis. Literally in the Greek, it's a Greek word metamorpho where we get metamorphosis. It means the, 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 the change that is described when a caterpillar becomes a butterfly. Right? You remember your fourth grade science lessons? And you'd have that little chrysalis, and you'd be feeding those caterpillars and all that. And then after a few weeks, they go and they dangle on that pretty little green thing. And then all of a sudden, it comes out of that chrysalis, and it's this beautiful butterfly, and you all let them go as a class, and everyone cries because they miss their butterfly and all that. I know I was a fourth grade school teacher. What was that? It was a radical change. A caterpillar is basically bird food. They are basically ugly. I mean, maybe some people say, but I can see the beauty in it. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) You know, caterpillars, they don't go very far. All they do is sit around, eat, and get fat. That's all they do. They don't bless anybody. But they turn into to butterflies. Do you know that monarch butterflies, they fly, if they're, if they're in this area, which we have monarch butterflies, they will fly every winter from Jamestown, New York, all the way to Mexico. Dios mio. <laughs> right? Oh, my goodness. Wow. I mean, that's impressive. That caterpillar can barely go from one branch to the next in one day. And when he has a transformation, all of a sudden, he's taking trips to Acapulco. <laughs> I mean, think about that. I mean, that's amazing. That's a radical transformation. And that's the word that God uses to describe your life when your mind gets renewed. Glory to God. That's right. God will, the power of God will increase your mentality. He will make you smarter than you've ever been. He will get you thinking. You, will, you won't be afraid anymore. You're not going to let mind thoughts just come and destroy you. Depression's going to go. Anxiety leaves you. All of a sudden, you start living life free from depression because you're transformed. That's right. That's right. And the world's going to look at you and say, what is so different? Because they're conformed. We're transformed. And the Bible says how to do that. The renewing of your mind. 
of course, talking about with the Word of God. Amen? Praise the Lord. Go to 2 Corinthians now. I had you go over there. 2 Corinthians 10.3. And we're fixing to close. Don't you sweat. I'm going to let you get out and enjoy that sunshine today. I, I promise we'll be done by at least 2. Just give me to 2 p.m. Hey, we're a full gospel church, you know. We preach the everlasting gospel in one sitting. <laughs> Praise the Lord. 2 Corinthians 10, starting in verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And now it tells us how to pull down strongholds. Casting down imaginations. Where do imaginations take place? In your head, in your thoughts. In every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Where is that taking place in your head? Your mind will be filled with thoughts that are trying to exalt or raise themselves above the knowledge of God. Just ask the people out on the golf course right now that should be in church. What happened? Thought of golfing, came to them, they went golfing instead of going to church. What is that? That is a thought that exalted itself over the knowledge of God because the knowledge of God says do not forsake. The Bible says don't miss church. Right? Do not forsake together the assembling together of the brethren. Hebrews 10.25, just in case you want to know where that's at. Every pastor's favorite verse, right? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Glory to God. So it says, be, it says, casting down imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. You better arrest that thought before it ruins your life. Where did it happen? Where did people get into these lifestyles? Where did people fall into promiscuous living? Started with a thought. Where did people fall into addictions? Where did they fall into skipping church? Where did they fall into foul mouth? Where did they fall into all these things that trip up their life? It started with a thought. A thought came. It was a burning arrow from the devil. They allowed it to take root and take place. It burned in their mind until it became a full-blown stronghold, meaning they started to act on that thought. They should have arrested it, because now that thought is producing a harvest, and that harvest of that thought is ruining their life. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. So what do you do with your, your thought life? You, you, first of all, you renew your mind with the Word of God. Yeah. Second of all, you take captivity, every thought in your mind, and keep it obedient to Christ. Yeah. Friend or foe, is that thought a friendly thought or an enemy thought? You need to always, I'm constantly guarding my thought life. And the way you cast down imaginations, you don't just try to change the channel in your brain. Oh, no, I'm going to fight that thought with a thought. No, you got to speak to it. You have to speak to those thoughts. There's so many times I'll be driving in my car, I'll be... Uh, uh, in my office or whatever, a thought will come, an ungodly thought, and I'll say, no, in Jesus' name, I cast that down. That thought has no place in me. I might say it under my breath if I'm somewhere. You know, I'm not talking to myself in front of a bunch of people. I don't go to the Walmart checkout line and start casting my thoughts down there. You understand? But you need to understand that you cannot just change the channel in your mind. You're going to have to cast it down and say, no, I won't think that way. What did Jesus say over there in Matthew 6, 31? He said, take no thought saying. Your spoken words have greater authority than the thoughts in your head. Because right now, I mean, you can't have a thought up here and a different word coming out of your mouth. Meaning, if you start thinking in your mind of a black Labrador retriever. You're thinking about a black Labrador retriever. Black Labrador retriever. And then all of a sudden, you say, golden retriever. You'll start thinking about that. Because instantly, your thought life is subject to the words coming out of your mouth. The spoken word is always stronger than the thinking word. Cast it down. Cast it down. 
People say, oh, that's weird and that's radical. Well, that's what transformed looks like. When you hear me cast a thought down, it's because I'm walking in the transforming power of God. Amen. It'll help your life. Did you get some help here today? Next week, we'll start looking at the voice of the Spirit. We talked about the voice of your flesh, the voice of your mind. Then we'll get into the voice of your spirit, man. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we love you. We praise you. We give you all the glory today. We are greatly helped. Father, we are greatly helped. We come to know and recognize the voice of the flesh. Father, how those cravings, those desires and passions would try to pull us out of the will of God. Father, there's things that you deem acceptable and there's things that you deem unacceptable with the flesh. And Father, we present our bodies, a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to you, which is our reasonable act of worship. Father, we worship you with our lifestyle. It's not just by songs we sing and how much we shout and praise or dance. Or Father, those things are all good too. We do that. But all those things will be disqualified if we don't live right. So, Father, we present our bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice that our flesh is going to hurt to let those things go. And we're going to crucify our flesh with its lust and its passion. It's going to hurt our flesh. Father, we understand that. We're not here to just be comfortable. We're here to be godly. Father, we love you. And we praise you. And Father, we understand what we have to do with our minds, our souls. That we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We have to keep every thought obedient to Christ. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Father, there's so many people that are not walking in your blessing because they have not arrested wrong thoughts. They have not gotten a hold of their thought life. And Father, your word says, for as a man thinks, so is he. He'll live by what's going on in his head. He'll live by what is permitted in his head. Father, we thank you, we praise you, Lord God. This helps us, it helps us, it helps us. And we give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. With all eyes closed, with every head bowed, before we're dismissed here today, I don't know every person in this room, but I know every person to know enough that I want you to be born again. I want you to be saved. I want you to have eternal life because God wants you to have it more than I ever could. He loves you. God loves you. He cherishes your life. He wants to make your life a a masterpiece. But it's got to be done His way. It can't be done our way. And it all begins with making Jesus the Lord of your life. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus your Lord, today's your day. Let me explain real quick what that means. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9 that if if you will speak with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You shall receive eternal life. God wants you to have eternal life. There is a, a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. God wants you to gain heaven. He wants you to start living with the life of God right now. He wants to make your life something awesome right now. But you got to follow him. you got to live for him you got to do things His way. And if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, you can do that right here. Today, I'm not going to call you up front. I'm not going to make you come down and talk to the church. I'm not here to embarrass you or anything like that. But if you're here today and you could honestly say within your heart, Pastor Tim, I need to give my life to Jesus. I need to give my life to Him. I need to receive this eternal life. I'm not here trying to get you to perform a ritual. I'm here to invite you to give your life to Christ. If that's you here today, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand. As soon as I see your hand, I'll have you put it right back down. And then I will lead this entire, I will lead this entire uh, congregation in a, in a prayer. And you can pray right there from your seat to make Jesus your Lord. I see that hand. Thank you. You can put it down. Is there anybody else that you just know today's a day? Thank you. I see that hand. You can put it down. You just know that today's a day you want to give your life to Jesus. It doesn't mean that everything's going to be perfect or rosy from this day on. It doesn't mean that you're not capable of making mistakes. But what it means is that you are going to receive the eternal life of God on the inside, and you're going to begin a life of learning about Jesus. It's the best way to live. It's the only way to live. The only way to live in this life is to live above it. 
And the only way you can do that is with Jesus. We had a couple of hands. Is there anyone else that you'd like to ask Jesus into your life today? Today will be the day that you're born again. Today's the day you receive a new nature. Is there anybody else? Well, we did have a couple of hands. If you lifted your hand, pray these words right out of your mouth. Don't just think them. And of course, the whole congregation is going to be praying with you. The whole congregation. And this room is filled with people that have made this decision. No one's going to ridicule you. We're going to rejoice with you. So let's all pray this. Let's all go ahead and stand to our feet here this morning. You can open your eyes. I'm just going to lead us all in a prayer. If you lifted your hand, make sure you speak these words right out of your mouth. Let's all pray this. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord Jesus, wash me, cleanse me, forgive me of my sin. I make you my Lord and my Savior all the days of my life. I will live for you to please you every day on earth. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Now, if you're here and you just prayed that prayer and you meant it with all your heart, maybe you were one of the ones that lifted your hands, go ahead, find one of these cards in the seat pocket in front of you. Before you leave today, find this card, fill it out, give it to someone before you leave. Jesus says if you declare him before men, he'll declare you before the Father. Let's not be ashamed of the Jesus we're asking to save us. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get some help here today? And if you just made Jesus your Lord, you are going to need a good local church. You need to be part of the body of Christ. The Bible says that you are now a member of his body. And we know this, that the parts of our body are a lot healthier when they're attached. Right? Amen. The same goes for our lives. Amen. Have your, have your minds been renewed? Let's go ahead. Let's say it. Let's go ahead and get that confession up. One, two, ready, go. My mind is renewed. I will live for Christ. In the face of trial, I will say, greater is God that's in me. In the face of financial hardship, I will declare, I have a supply. Every trial only serves to make me stronger. I have victory in Christ. I am a champion through God. And nothing shall make me afraid. Hallelujah. Father God, we praise you. We glorify you. Lord, we thank you for the victory. Father, we thank you. We're victorious in Christ. And Father, we love you and give you all the praise. We'll be doers of the word. In Jesus' name. And all God's people shouted. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.